A St. Pete man was arrested Thursday after police say he pulled out a knife on a woman. According to an affidavit, 67-year-old Thomas Collar pulled out a knife and walked towards a woman on a Pinellas Suncoast Transit Authority bus. The woman told police he began saying hurtful words while approaching her with that knife. And after being taken into custody, police found liquid meth in his pocket. He's being charged with aggravated assault with a knife and drug charges. And let's take a look on over here at the uh, continuation of this whole Rittenhouse business. <clears throat> let's go ahead and fly right off of CNN over here. Article up by Omar Jimenez. Omar Jimenez. Sometimes I hear folks pronounce that name uh, Jimenez. I know Jimenez uh, as the uh, pronunciation. And uh, also co-authored by uh, Kelly McCleary. And it's uh, Dominic Black is the name of the individual in question. And Dominic Black bought Kyle Rittenhouse the gun that was used in the uh, Kenosha gangbang situation. And this individual has taken a plea deal. All right. So what we're looking at is uh, Dominic Black is the man who brought him the gun used in the deadly shootings during the unrest in Kenosha, Wisconsin in 2020. And this individual has agreed to a plea deal related to weapons charges. His defense attorney tells CNN. This article's up today, this morning, January 10th, 2000, Twomp Dose. And now, um, <clears throat> uh, uh, Black, his name Dominic Black, is a 20-year-old who was the first witness to testify during the Wittenhouse trial. He was charged in November 2020 with two felony counts of intentionally giving a dangerous weapon to a person under the age of 18, causing death. Like, all of that together is a charge? Or is that a couple of charges strung together? What is that? Um, according to the court records, he had pleaded not guilty and said during his trial testimony that he hoped taking the stand would lead to leniency. A hearing is set for Monday afternoon before the Kenosha uh, County Circuit Judge Bruce Schroeder, who presided over the Rittenhouse trial. That's good, right? Um, Dominic Black will plead no contest to contributing to the delinquency of a minor, a non-criminal citation, defense attorney uh, Tony Cotton said. Quote, the resolution avoids a criminal conviction, end quote. Dominic Black, who was dating Rittenhouse's sister, testified that he purchased an AR-15 firearm for Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse was too young to purchase and possess a gun, but he agreed to pay for the firearm. So this is some fucking, this was a, hey, get me a beer. Yeah, I'll get you a beer, little homie. Give me a pack of cigarettes. Yeah, I'll get you a pack of cigarettes, little homie. God damn, nigga, you only 20 years old and you already an irresponsible OG. God damn. Uh, <clears throat> 
And, uh, but he agreed to pay for the firearm. Black testified. That's Dominic Black. And, um, he also had his own firearm. And they had fired the weapons in target practice in a rural area. Yeah. <laughs> so, this'll be a fun one to, uh, to hang around. Right? Check for little updates on where's this going. And today is indeed Monday, so he'll be putting that plea in today. Right? Phoenix Kalita will probably send me a text message from the updates that she'll catch on the Twitter. Recording in progress. Huh. That thing always flies in on there on you. <laughs> and so, requested segment. Uh, this was requested over there on the face booze. And what the holy heck darn is going on here? <clears throat> to Gary, that's T-W-O Gary, Indiana, uh, residents are asking a federal judge to return the city's school district to elected control and overturn a 2020 referendum that bolstered the district's strained coffers by $8.9 million annually for eight consecutive years. The state first moved to take control of the Gary Community School Corp. Now, so what I'm actually going to have to do is go back in time to look at this request back to fucking 2017 right here. And um, we're looking at February 20th, 2017. And this is up on PBS.org. And Gary considers state government takeover of public schools. And they have a, -E, a WBEZ reporter, uh, Michael Puente, uh, joins to discuss the funding problems surrounding the uh, public school system in Gary, Indiana. Now, um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, flip it on over to, uh, to these folks. And this is a relatively long clip, but on request, I'm, doing, I'm running through this and also... Looking at it, goddammit, I'm interested too. And what great timing for the 2017. This was the year that I had less time to listen to news all day at work. Because I had switched from line work to machine work. When I was on line work, I'm just at the end of the line, stacking boxes on a pallet. With one headphone in my ear, I could listen to the news all day. But going into 2017, that went away. Let's check it out. Chicago's public schools aren't alone in facing a severe financial crisis. In neighboring Gary, Indiana, that school system's debt is forecast to exceed $100 million by this summer. And as it shutters some schools with dwindling enrollment, the Indiana legislature is poised to approve a measure that would allow a state takeover of the beleaguered Gary schools. And it's joining us with more is WBEZ's Northwest Indiana reporter, Michael Puente, who's been following this story closely. And Michael, how dire is the situation in Gary? It's pretty dire, Eddie, just like you were saying. Um, right now, the, the state is looking at taking uh, a financial takeover of the Gary schools. There's a state bill that is being uh, proposed down at the, well, it's being debated right now at the Indiana legislature. 
So right now, it, if it's approved, uh, Gary, the school board, will lose all financial control of the uh, of the school system for, for up to five years. So the elected school board there will have very little say in how things are paid out and, and other new contracts. But this is how dire the situation is in Gary with massive debt, very, very little sources of revenue, and they're, you know, they're feeling the financial constraints of that, of that. Well, tell us a little bit more about that Senate Bill 567. If it is approved and signed by the governor, what would it provide to the school? Well, basically, it would um, have an, an overseer of the financial uh, bills coming into the Gary School Corporation. They're also going to be negotiating with vendors who haven't been paid in months by the uh, scary Gary School System. Um, you'll have um, uh, there's going to be some kind of loan forgiveness for the Gary School. So Gary is hoping for loans through the state of Indiana, but there's a little give and take in terms of. Uh, the financial resources and control of its own school system. The big, the big thing, though, is going to be the financial aspect of who controls the Gary school system. It's basically going to be folks from Indianapolis who are going to be controlling how the budget is spent in the Gary Community School Corporation. Well, the Gary school system was once a model for the country, so tell us how it got to this point. Well, basically, Gary, over the last 50 years, has been losing population, everything from, you know, at least 100,000 people since 1970. We've heard about Gary's issues over the past, uh, dwindling uh, economic base, industry. Gary was big on steel. There's still a huge steel mill there, but they employ a lot less people, a lot less taxes uh, to draw from as far as other industry there. So... Um, then you have depopulation, people leaving because of, you know, crime has uh, set in. And schools, schools is the number one catalyst for bringing people in. So that has kind of driven people out for greener pastures in the suburbs of around Gary. So it's been sort of this sort of this uh, sort of earthquake, if you were, tornado of issues facing the Gary school system. And as you said, revenue is not coming in. In fact, voters there turned down a property tax increase last year. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how charter schools are factoring into this as well? Well, here's the situation in Gary, too. Over the uh, last, uh, since uh, well, at least the eight years ago, ten years ago now, uh, there was a property tax cap that was placed in in all of Indiana, really, and it, it capped the amount of uh, taxes that could be paid out by residents and industry. So that really hurt industrial cities like Gary tremendously. So they were getting so much more dollars from, say, U.S. Steel, and that just kind of was cut more than half uh, in Gary uh, than with the residents. And, and another situation in Gary facing is that not everybody pays their taxes in Gary. Uh, they're only collecting about maybe 50%, uh, maybe around 60 to 50, 50 to 60% of people in Gary actually pay their taxes. So that's causing a huge burden on those who are paying taxes. And last fall, there was a second attempt to pass a referendum so Gary taxpayers would pay a little bit more on their tax bill to fund the schools. I think it would have generated another $8 million a year, but that failed. And a lot of what's happening down now down in Indianapolis is because they're not going to get some of that money that if taxpayers were going to uh, approve that, they would have had, but they didn't approve it. So it's causing all this um, turmoil now. And Michael, quickly, uh, again, how are charter schools factoring into this? Because there are more charter schools sapping the, the population from the Gary Public Schools, aren't there? 
That's right. There are at least seven or eight charter schools in the city of Gary. Uh, when a student leaves the Gary public school system and goes to a charter school, they take those tax dollars with them per pupil. So it's creating this com- competition with the Gary community schools. Um, and charter schools were supposed to be put there as a sort of alternative not really to siphon away that many students. I mean, right now you got the Gary Public Schools about right around a little bit under 6,000 students where the charter schools almost almost uh, match that at 5,500 students. So right now, uh, charter schools are putting uh, uh, undue burden on the Gary Community School Corporation when it should be there as a sort of alternative, not really uh, being the way it is right now in the Gary school system. And Michael, we're almost out of time, but uh, do you have the sense that anybody on this side of the state border is keeping an eye on what's happening down in Indianapolis and how it might work uh, here in Chicago? Well, I'm sure they are, but um, I think it's been floated around that, you know, um, that they kind of would like the state to kind of take over the Chicago public school system. The only difference is, is is the property tax base. I mean, Chicago still, the economy here is still so much diverse than compared to to Indiana. And people in Chicago are paying their taxes. Yes, the Gary, uh, the Chicago school system has less students to draw upon. And they're also feeling the competitiveness from uh, charter schools. But given the tax base and there's not that sort of population loss, not yet in Chicago, as Gary is facing, but the situations are similar. But the way things are set up structurally, politically in Indiana to Chicago uh, and Illinois, um, there are similarities, but there are ways that the the Chicago public schools can kind of uh, work their way out of the debt that they're facing. But it's, it's troubling in Chicago as well. Michael Puente with WBEZ, thank you so much for that report. Thank you. All right. And we Among go, America's women hey. artists, Georgia O'Keefe gets much of the attention. But, of course, there are many other worthy. But Here we are. It went ahead and just preloaded its next segment over there on PBS, literally from the same day. All right. And checking back over at My Decibel Action. Mine are coming in pretty darn hot there. Come on. All right. And so actually, um, the individual that uh, made request, and I hope you are uh, uh, hearing this episode, and if you could, uh, they're interacting with Phoenix Collider. Uh, see if you might want to uh, call in with additional information straight from the ground, as I don't see very much reporting on this, so I would want to hear um, directly from a citizen <clears throat> or, uh, you know, a person in that situation so let me go on over to uh phoenix collider's thread because the individual that made the request left info directly there so uh what they're saying this is coming straight from the uh taxpayer in this situation um the quote the state took over our schools some years back then made every takeover except ours illegal now it's uh trying to uh and now it's trying to uh ever prevent us from uh now it's trying to prevent us from ever restoring local control i'm gonna run around i think there may be some words you know little jumblefied jambalaya if you will take a bowl um res- uh, restoring local control they'll take away our school they want to take away our school board permanently 
take away collective bargaining via House Bill 1187, HB 1187. This is authored by a man, Tim Brown, whose re-election expenses were paid for by the Hoosiers. Hoosiers. I always, when I see that, I always want to go, who's yours? Who, who's, who's yours? But no, it's actually who's yours? Hoosiers. Uh, paid for by the Hoosiers. That's Tim Brown, House Bill 1187, and their election, uh, re-election expenses were paid for by the Hoosiers. Hoosiers for Quality Education Lobby, which is run by the same guy, Tony Bennett, who destroyed public education in the state and who is on board... Oh, excuse me who was on the board of the private firm running our schools into the ground he was actually removed from office in florida because of the things he's done in indiana and uh and he may try to uh make a play for governor one day soon as you may know our city is 85 percent black and has the second largest number of charter schools per capita they are trying to eliminate our public schools in the city or make them into feeders for charters. Standards of education are so bad at this point, only about 1% of our children passed the, um, the I learn. So that, that must be their, uh, their, uh, their, their state testing, right? When I was in Washington state, it was the, uh, the Washington Assessment of Student Learning, WASL, the Wassel, um, Florida had the FCAT. Um, I lived in Illinois for a bit. I forgot the name of theirs, but this one looks like for Indiana, they're calling it iLearn, right? The big testing thing. I remember that coming into play when I was in uh, junior high school at Cedar Crest Junior High School, uh, the Wassel coming into play. Uh, they continue. At this point, the majority of our kids who have only been educated under the state are functionally illiterate. Goodness and or gracious. Like, yeah, I want to definitely hang out with this one for a bit. Um, So I'll be looking for more updates and um, I'll actually be uh, contacting that individual via Facebook. Uh, before I head out to work this here morning.